What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Malari. So it's been a busy day in the MLB over the last 24 hours. A lot of trades going down from last night into right now. It's currently 4 o'clock on Friday here on July 28th. I'm going to have an episode coming out with a sports guru, Mike Hurley, at some point, too. I'm going to be calling him in just a minute. We're going to record that and throw that up online tonight. So looking forward to that, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Going to have him come on and talk about the Bruins. And some other things as well. We'll touch just about every single sport in league as we always do. But in this episode I'm recording right now, I'm going to talk about some trades that happened in the MLB. Over the last 18 hours or so, I'm going to start off with the New York Mets trading right-handed relief pitcher David Robinson to the Miami Marlins in exchange for Marco Vargas, the 18th Miami Marlins prospect, and Ronald Hernandez, the 21st Miami Marlins prospect. The Mets best reliever is now gone, so it shows that they are starting to rip things up, and I fully expect them to trade Mark Hanna and Tommy Pham as well, and I would say one of either Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander is gone as well. I, right now, would lean towards Max Scherzer staying and Justin Verlander being gone. I think when you look at it, it's just the smartest decision to trade one of those two pieces. I think Verlander is traded, and my prediction is that he goes to the Texas Rangers. I said it in my predictions last week that the Rangers should be in the market for one of either Verlander or Scherzer. I think Verlander is the one that gets sent away. I think Scherzer is kept. I think it's the smartest decision for them to get one of them off the books. Depending on how much money they have to chew, they might get a really good return if they chew more money. We'll see what the Mets end up deciding to do, but they still have one more year of control, so it's basically a year and a half of control. A team can make a postseason run this year and next with one of those two guys, and I fully expect the Mets to move one of those two players within the next two or three days before the trade deadline. I was on the yellow light for both Scherzer and Verlander before last week when I recorded the episode, but now with the Mets being far out where they're at right now and them trading their best reliever in David Robinson, it shows that to some degree they are just throwing in the white towel and giving up. Right now they're seven games back of the West Wildcat spot in the NL. I think it's the smartest decision for them to try to break things up, trade Canna, trade Fam, trade probably Verlander, and then I'd say they'll also trade either Carlos Carrasco or Jose Quintana. I think they're just going to split things up and get prospects back in return and build for next year, and I think that's the smartest thing for them to do. In my predictions, I had David Robinson going to the Tampa Bay Rays, which I was wrong about, but I did have a green light on him, so I got that right. On the year, Robinson is 4-2 with a 205 ERA with 48 strikeouts and 44 innings pitched. He's been a very good reliever and goes to the Miami Marlins, a team that needs bullpen help. Next up is the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they've been very active already. Like I said, they would be in my predictions. Many people thought they'd be passive at this t- at this year's trade deadline, but in my trade deadline episode from last Friday, I said they'd be aggressive. I thought they'd go out and try to make moves and try to make a run this year. They just traded for right-handed pitcher Lance Lynn and relief right-handed pitcher Joe Kelly from the Chicago White Sox. And they already added Ahmed Rosario from the Cleveland Guardians. He's not very good defensively, but he does fill a need for them in the middle infield spot. And then as well as getting Kike Hernandez from the Red Sox, they've already been very active. And as for the Chicago White Sox, they've already been very active in the selling market as well. They've already traded Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, and Lucas Giolito. And then Kendra Graveman just about 20 minutes ago as well. So the fire sale has completely begun in Chicago, things are starting to fall apart there and they're starting to trade things and rip it all up and build for the future, which I think is the best decision for them to do. Joe Kelly goes back to the Dodgers where he had a very good career there and a three-year window. 
In 2019 with the Dodgers, he had a 4.56 ERA, but in 2020 and 2021, he had a 1.8 and a 2.86 ERA with a 1.5 whip in 2020 and a 0.98 whip in 48 appearances in 2021. He was very good for the Dodgers when he was there, so he's going back there even though he's struggling on the year like Lance Lynn is. He's going back to where he found a lot of success in the past. On the year, Kelly is 1-5 with a 4.97 ERA, 41 strikeouts, and 29 innings pitched. He did win a World Series with the Dodgers in 2020, also won a World Series with the Red Sox in 2018, so he does have a lot of postseason experience. Lance Lynn, struggling. Another pitcher here that the Dodgers are getting, they're struggling. He's 6-9 on the year with a 6.47 ERA with a 144 strikeout total and 119 and two-thirds innings pitched. In 2021, Lance Lynn had his best year in Chicago. He had a 2.69 ERA with an 11-6 record in 28 starts. And in return, Chicago's getting outfielder Trace Thompson from the Dodgers, right-handed pitcher from their double-A system, Nick Nestrini, who is the number nine prospect in the Dodgers farm system, and then Jordan Leisure, another right-handed pitcher in the Dodgers minor league system, also in double-A. Tulsa, just like Nestrini, both of those guys will be going to the Chicago White Sox in exchange for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. Leisure on the year is 2-2 two two in 29 relief appearances in A Tulsa with a 3.09 ERA and 56 strikeouts and 35 innings pitched. He does throw very hard, gets up to 97-98. Nestrini, 5-3 record in 17 starts in A Tulsa with a 4.03 ERA and 85 strikeouts and 73 and two-thirds innings pitched. And the Trace Thompson played for the Dodgers this year. Had just five home runs in the major leagues with a 155 batting average, 14 runs batted in, and a 677 OPS. Thompson was a former White Sox second-round pick in 2009, so he's returning to where it all began for him going back to Chicago. As for the Dodgers here, I like this move a lot. They need pitching help in their rotation and in their bullpen. And if you look at Kelly and Lynn, you see two players that were regressing and not really back to their past success they had in years past with obviously Kelly being very good for the Dodgers two or three years ago and then Lance Lynn being very good two years ago with the White Sox. Both of these guys are struggling this year, but they're going to a team that just finds ways to get players back on track and playing like they're reversing time. They got J.D. Martinez to reverse time. They got Jason Hayward to reverse time. And they also got the former Red Sox relief pitcher Ryan Brazier to reverse time as well. The Dodgers really do just always find a way to get the best out of their players and have them reverse time and playing like they used to in years past. They just get the most production out of everybody. So I will not be surprised if Lance Lynn goes to the Dodgers and only has like a 3-5 ERA and it starts with the Dodgers. And then for Joe Kelly, he'll probably go back to his 3 ERA that he used to have with the Dodgers. I mean, when he was with the Dodgers, he was very good. He was really one of the best relievers at the time when they won the World Series in 2020 and 40 eight appearances in 2021 he had a 2.86 era and then in 2020 in 12 appearances he had a 1.8 era i'd say he's probably going to go back to having about a 2.53 era with the dodgers even though he's better with la than those eras before but i think he'll go back to being our like 2.5 ERA relief pitcher when he's with the Dodgers. And then I think Lance Lynn probably gets his ERA definitely under four, I would say. Maybe three, three, five is where he's going to be with the Dodgers. We'll see what they end up doing, but I'm rooting this to work out for the Dodgers. And that's not a bad return there for the Chicago White Sox. They get a prospect that's number nine in a stacked farm system in the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then also get back a good relief pitcher in as well in Jordan Leisure, a 3.09 ERA in AA Tulsa this year. And then Trace Thompson hasn't really done too much in the major leagues this year for the Dodgers. But he has been in the major leagues for a long career here. So he is like a veteran now. So see if he goes back to Chicago and finds any luck.
And now moving on to the last trade I'm going to talk about. It is the Houston Astros just recently in the last 25 minutes trading for a Levar Kendall Graven from the Chicago White Sox. Graven on the year, a 3-4 record with a 3.48 ERA and 45 appearances with 8 saves on the year for Chicago. He played in Houston in 2021, so he's going back to Houston just like Trace Thompson's going back to Chicago. You have Kendall Graven going back to Houston here. Graven still has one more year of control left under his current deal, so... The Astros will get a year and a half out of Graveman before he is a free agent. And I had a green light on Graveman getting traded, just like I had a green light on Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, and David Robinson. All of those guys have been dealt. In return for Graveman, Houston will be sending rookie catcher Corey Lee to Chicago. Lee on the year has a 160 batting average of 25 at-bats with no home runs, four RBIs, and he just turned 25 years old, so he is young and was a former first-round pick to the Houston Astros in 2019. Lee hit very well in AAA this year for the Houston Astros AAA team, which is Sugarland. For that team, he hit 283 with five home runs, 32 runs batted in, 12 stolen bases, and a 734 OPS. In AAA overall in his career, he's hit 255 with a 759 OPS in three seasons. And it looks like when he was drafted in 2019, he Played in low A just for one season after being drafted, where he hit three home runs with a 268 batting average in 64 games played in Tri-City, which is the Houston Astros' low A team. But then the 2020 season was no minor league baseball. So in the 2021 season, he started out in high A and made it all the way up to AAA in basically just his first full season in the minor leagues and then played in AAA in 2022 and in 2023. We'll see if things work out there for Corey Lee, but he was the number 70 overall prospect in the pre-2022 season Baseball America rankings. So we'll see what happens there with Corey Lee, but Chicago gets back a catching prospect. So we'll see if that works out for them. So now this leaves the question of who is the best player still available on the trade market. With Shohei Otani no longer being available, which I think is a great idea by the Angels not making Shohei Otani available, go and try to make a run in the postseason. Right now the Angels are just three games back of the last wildcard spot in the American League, and they just swept the Detroit Tigers in a three-game series, beating them in both games of the doubleheader yesterday. Shohei Otani got the start in Game 1, and he had his first complete game shutout of his career, going nine innings, giving up just one hit, eight strikeouts, three walks, and 111 total pitches, improving his record to 9-5 and five on the year with a 3.43 ERA. The Angels won that game 6 to nothing. They got a very good game out of Taylor Ward. He was 2-4 for four in that game with three runs batted in and two home runs. He's up to 254 on the year for a batting average. And then Mike Moustakis had a very good game as well. He was 2-4 for four with two runs scored. Hunter Renfro was 3-4 for four in the game with two doubles. He had a very good game one as well in the doubleheader yesterday. And Mickey Moniak was 1-4 for four with a run scored and a double. As for who got the start for the Tigers in that game, it was Michael Lorenzen, and this could probably be his last start in Detroit. He went five innings, giving up three runs, five hits, seven strikeouts, and one walk. And then game two of the doubleheader, Shohei Otani was the biggest story of the game. He had a monster game on the mound in game one, going nine innings and shutting out the Detroit Tigers. And then in game two, he went two for three with three runs batted in and two home runs. He is now up to 38 home runs on the season, which is ridiculous. The Angels won this game 11-4. Patrick Sandoval got the start for the Angels in this game, going five innings, giving up five hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts to two walks. Zach Neto was 1-5 in the game. Good to see him back in the lineup for the Angels. Mickey Moniak was 2-4 in this game with a run scored, a double, and a walk. And then Hunter Renfro had another hot game. In game two, he was 3-5 at the plate with two runs batted in and a home run. 
That home run was the 16th of the season. The Angels got that win 11-4. And now when you look at it, the Angels have a three-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays this weekend. I would love to see them take two of three in this series. I think they're very capable of it. Tonight on the mound is Lucas Giolito making his Angels debut. 3.79 ERA on the year with a 1.22 whip and a 6-6 six and six record. Going up against Kevin Gosman of the Toronto Blue Jays, who is 7-5 on the year with a 3.18 ERA and a 1.12 whip. There's a great matchup tonight. I think the Angels are capable of winning two of three in this series, and this is a start of a very tough 28-game stretch for the Angels, but I think they are capable of winning 17 or 18 games in this 28-game stretch. I think this team is going to get hot, and I'm hoping my prediction stays true. As for one other thing I want to point out before I close the episode, I was talking about who should be the best player available now on the trade market with Shoatani being off the trade market, and there's a lot of guys you could point to. Cody Bellinger, Marcus Stroman, Blake Snell, Juan Soto, or Josh Hader if the Padres really do sell. Nolan Arenado, maybe, who the Dodgers are actually looking into. And a lot of people do get mad when I talk about the Dodgers and how good their farm system is. But the reality is they can trade for any player they want in the major leagues because of how good their farm system is. They have the best farm system besides the Baltimore Orioles in the game of baseball. The second best farm system in the game of baseball. They have eight top 100 prospects on MLB.com, which is unreal. And then they also have some other guys on their major league roster that are no longer prospects, but are very good players. Bobby Miller being one of them. Miguel Vargas being another one. They have Emmett Sheehan as well on their Major League roster right now. Ryan Pepio is another one. Gavin Stone, Michael Bush. I mean, this team is just so built from the ground up. Whether it's farm system or Major League talent, I think the Dodgers are the best at just building for now and building for the future. They just do both so well. And that's why I've always respected this organization. They just find ways to win for now and for the future. And that's why... Them looking into Lionel Arenado isn't that crazy of a situation to me. I'm not really shocked considering how many top prospects they have. They can get any player they want in the major leagues. So one last thing I want to mention before I close the episode is Aaron Judge will return to the Yankees lineup tonight. He returned after missing nearly two months with a toe injury. He was having a better season this year than last year when he got hurt on June 3rd against the Los Angeles Dodgers making a play in right field. On the year, he has 19 home runs with a 291 batting average, 40 runs batted in, and a 1078 OPS in 49 games. The Yankees went 19-23 after Aaron Judge got hurt on June 3rd. And since that day, they have a team OPS of 670, the fourth lowest in the major league. So he's going to be a great addition to their lineup. And I don't think it solves all the, all the issues here for the Yankees. I think they got a lot more issues than just Aaron Judge not being in their lineup. I think if I were the Yankees right now, I'd be selling at the trade deadline. Anyways, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.